As Russia continues to build up military personnel along Ukraine's borders, many of us are wondering, what's next? We turn to our defense reporter Ilya Panamarenko for answers. Some of the questions came from the Kyiv Independence patrons who have access to a closed chat with our editorial team. You can become our patron and support independent journalism in Ukraine at this critical time. Go to our website, kievindependent.com, and find the Become a Patron button on top. Starting off, in the last few days, could you summarize the overall situation, Ilya? So the biggest thing remains our weapon supplies from the West and more nations joining this club of nations sending weapons and military equipment and non-lethal hardware to Ukraine. So we keep getting uh, aircraft almost every single day. Now it's the United States, the United Kingdom, and now it's Poland, Czech Republic. We're expecting shipments from uh, anti-tank missiles and air defense missiles from Baltic countries. So. It's the biggest trend that nations are providing quick and very timely assistance in terms of you know lethal weaponry, exactly what we need right here and now. Uh, so that's the bigger threat. And another biggest trend in this situation. And um, another thing is that Russians are not backing down, unfortunately. They continue rendering this pressure. They continue using this insane uh, warlike rhetoric towards Ukraine. And uh, we still do not see any signs of, of this huge military buildup being slowed down or paused or uh, aborted. So far, we're not seeing any end in sight and we're not seeing crystal clear what's going to be. Let's turn to the burning questions from our readers. One of our readers and patrons asked, with Ukraine having approximately 200,000 military personnel and with all the military support from the US and Britain, why is it felt the Ukrainians can't sustain or put up a good fight? Well, I can understand all the hesitations about this thing, about the power of Ukrainian military, because, you know, everybody knows and it's secret to no one that, you know, even though we had eight years of record-breaking defense uh, budgets and also lots of reforms and lots of attention to this issue, you know, Ukrainian military remains pretty problematic military. It's riddled with bureaucracy. It has lost a lot of experience, combat hardened personnel and specialists because of terrible service conditions, because of uh, uh, low payments, uh, because of many, many troubles, it's bureaucracy, it's a lot of things. But it should be admitted that even though we are very far from being at the place we should have been at this moment, and the Ukrainian military is way better than it used to be eight years ago when the war was just in its early days and it's in a way better shape in terms of you know weaponry it uses the organization structure the leadership especially right now with the new leadership in the armed forces command and also in defense ministry so even though it's riddled with troubles with problems systemic problems it still constitutes a pretty considerable military power on the ground especially on the grounds when it comes on the ground it is strong and motivated and organized and uh, armed good enough to be a serious factor making this such an invasion extremely costly, probably unacceptably costly. Nobody's saying that Ukrainian military is capable of overcoming the Russian, the whole of Russian military. If Russia mobilizes the whole of its military, but it is a huge factor rendering such a thing uh, as a full ta- full-fledged invasion impossible. And let's forget about the fact that it's not only about you know, feeding the whole of the military, but also Russians would have to occupy this huge land, which is the size of France, and which has uh, something like 40 million of population that is absolutely not friendly to Russia. 
no matter what Russian propagandists say. And besides, since 2014, we have proven this ability of the, I mean, the general population to self-mobilize and self-organize volunteer battalions. And it's, it is also a huge factor making this uh, invasion way too costly for Russians because they will, will have to deal with the uh, general um, population being in insurgency. So it's a huge trouble for them. Another reader and patron asked, I would like to know how the threat varies around the country and what one has prepared for. Well, I would say that, you know, given the many factors that we have here in this country and given the potential goals that Russia might be pursuing and given the result, the fruit that they will be striving for, I believe the only possible option for them, the only way to get with what they want is obviously um, a full-fledged invasion of the whole of the country because of a limited action, military action, yeah, they can probably give them something like seizing Kharkiv or Sumy or even Kiev under control without, you know, um, launching an attack on the rest of Ukraine and not occupying the rest of Ukraine. But in the end, it effectively gives them nothing but even more sanctions, even more military and economic losses without probably actually giving them something good in return. So the price of such a limited action is absolutely not adequate to the things that they have to do in this regard. So, so far what they have now, I mean, the occupation of Crimea and the occupation of the part of Donbass, it's absolutely fine given their goals. So they realistically do not need anything else. I, I mean, if we are talking realistically. So I believe, yes, we cannot stress on very certain regions that are especially in, in danger of that, just because uh, uh, Attacking a certain region, for instance, uh, we often man- mention southern Ukraine, you know, the Azov and Black Sea coastline as the potential target. It could be explained as the uh, Russian drive towards getting a bridge land between Crimea and the mainland um, of Russia. But effectively, such a huge military, such a costly military action from the political, economic, military point of view, absolutely do not justify us the result because there are so many instruments that could give the same thing at far less cost so probably if we are talking about goals like subduing the whole of ukraine it's all about occupying and uh, destroying the whole of ukrainian military all the most of ukrainian military uh, occupying most of ukrainians forcing the political leadership of Ukraine into some sort of political, strategic political deal regarding the future of Ukraine and anything else. And even in this regard, even if they manage to inflict a quick defeat to the Ukrainian armed forces and uh, um, draw significant resources um, to occupy the whole of Ukraine or most of Ukraine except for Western Ukraine, for instance, and uh, get a deal with Kiev, uh, on, st- on this stuff, they would still have to subdue this huge nation to sustain the um, migrant crisis that's going to happen, to sustain the um, backlash on Russian economy, political sanctions. So in the end of the day, I don't think that we can be seriously talking about real World War II style military action against Ukraine just because our enemy is evil but not stupid. They do know what kind of price they would have to pay this conflict. So political intimidation, uh, extortion campaign upon the West uh, for the sake of political concessions is a far more obvious answer in this, given all the factors. 
Another patron was interested in the topic of Viktor Medvedchuk. How much a threat is he, and in general, why is Zelensky so reluctant to clean up his government and key agencies in Ukraine, he's asking. Well, regarding Medvedchuk, you know, <clears throat> I'm just, I'm not expressing something that I take for granted, but I'm just expressing my opinion regarding this. But I think the latest revelations in terms of his uh, activities as the a sort of negotiator between Kiev and Moscow um, you know, we know it as the Vigos recordings. Ilya is referring to the leaked recordings of Viktor Medvedchuk's phone conversations with Russian-backed militants occupying eastern Ukraine. They were released by the investigative journalist team Bihus.info in June of 2021. It's now part of a huge criminal case against uh, Medvedchuk and, uh, and his probable treason. These revelations showed that, you know, Medvedchuk greatly exaggerated in public his role as Vladimir Putin's man in this country, as the key negotiator that had no alternatives. And um, the man who was put personally by Putin or by West, uh, as they call it, mentioned that Angela Merkel insisted on his appointment as the mediating negotiator in, in this regard. So I believe in many ways, if you haven't checked this uh, investigation, you should take a look at it because it reveals so many things about him and his ties were greatly exaggerated and his role as like Putin's Putin's man was greatly exaggerated so I believe the very reason why he was so easily dethroned against expectations uh, under Zelensky just uh, confirms what the recordings had to say about his role so I believe that I'm not not sure about the, the last part of the question do we do we really have lots of Medichuk people in here? Yeah, we do have this, but I don't think that this situation um, is that tragic in the presidential administration of Zelensky. Yeah, we have uh, people for the presence of whom we need to criticize the administration, but I don't think that you know, Medichuk has a huge impact on, uh, on the administration, him personally, just because he ended up being far less significant and series that he wanted us to believe. One patron asked, given the West's reluctance to properly arm Ukraine with surface-to-air missiles, can Ukraine develop its own missiles and how long would it take? Well, it's a good question, just because, you know, one of the problems why we're not doing this and we have to ask, ask the world to give us the weapons just because, you know, it takes a lot of money. We're talking billions of dollars and we're talking years and uh, we're talking many engineering capabilities, production capabilities that we fall short of because of lack of attention to our defense production for years. We do have a certain projects in Ukraine in terms of the weapons that we were talking about, but... Like we said, it takes way more resources and the most importantly time that we do not have. We need things like um, anti-aircraft weapons right here and now or air defense weapons here and now. Uh, so far, 90%, 95% of our arsenal in this regard it comes from the Soviet Union and gets older. It is way less effective and it's way less numerous than it should have been right now. So we're not asking because we're lazy. We are just doing this because we have to. Another reader wanted to know, are there fortifications and minefields against the tanks? Well, you know, the Donbass, the front line, we're talking about the front line of Donbass, you know, it's pretty fortified against any sort of threat. You know, I have personally seen many minefields, anti-tank minefields in places in Donbass where armored offensive is likely, given the um, details of terrain. 
So I don't think that we have something um, along the whole of the Russian-Ukrainian border because we're talking about hundreds of kilometers. But in terms of uh, Donbass, the 400 kilometers front line, so it's pretty fortified, it's pretty good in this regard, especially when it comes to anti-tank defenses. Here's another question we received. Do we have sufficient air defense? Oh no, we don't. I'm afraid we don't. Especially uh, when it comes you know, to air defense, we're talking about the weak spots of Ukraine's, Ukrainian military and Ukrainian defense. And I believe it is safe to say that we are pretty weak in any components of the, in this regard because we fall short of modern fight, fighter jets. And our younger, newest uh, fighter jet, MiG-29, is something like 30 years old. They were produced way earlier than Ukraine became an independent nation. And uh, we do not have many fighter jets. And they are not modernized to at least to 4 plus generation. So just an uh, early 4 generation. And besides, when it comes to missile defense, we still rely a lot about modernized, but um, partly modernized uh, S-300 systems in, in their various version, but definitely that's not a modern air and missile defense grade. A patron asked, if they start an artillery attack from the Russian side, are we ready to respond? Well, it uh, depends, you know, it's a very generalized question, to be honest, but it depends in many ways on the circumstances, and the cases could be very individual. If we are talking about, like, border incidents, that we had, for instance, in Donbass, when the Russian artillery was striking upon the Ukrainian uh, troops, Ukrainian forces from beyond the Russian, from beyond the borderline. Yeah, in many ways, the circumstances were dictating the very concrete actions by the Ukrainian command, and they avoided uh, engaging Russian Russian forces across the border, just not to give them the castles belly in this regard. So, if Russians do that again, for instance, in Sumy, for instance. It needs to be seen what what the circumstances could be in this regard and make a decision about that because, you know, we definitely cannot afford making, you know, angry moves and dumb moves because, you know, anything could be used as the causes belly against us. Another reader asked, could Russia be excluded from the UN Security Council in case of aggression? Oh, I don't think so because we have historically seen many many cases of uh, even the um, core nations the founding nations of um, of UN Security Council Soviet Union um, mostly less about it um, committing aggression you know against other nations and not being stripped of this membership so yeah it's a, one of the greatest flaws of this new world order that was created since world war ii and uh, it's big trouble it's a big problem yeah this voter data rights on any decisions yeah this is what we are always talking about but uh, i would not suggest to over over concentrate on this uh, on this un security council of course it's uh, important of course it's a big deal in modern world but what is way more important is the um, Western ability to threaten Russian economy and moreover to threaten Russian assets in the West, or Russian inner elite, which is the most powerful, the um, basically the only super effective weapon against this thing. Yeah, those were all the questions from our patrons in the chat. I'm sure they're very glad that you took the time from your very busy schedule to answer them. So if there's anything else you want to say to the readers... Oh, guys, thank you for reading us. Thank you for supporting us. We keep doing our job. We keep working 20 hours a day to keep you you guys informed and uh, keep the whole world informed about what's happening here in this country. 
That was Ilya Panamarenka, the Kyiv Independence defense reporter, answering the pressing questions our readers and patrons have. If you'd like to be a part of the closed chat with supporters and the editorial team to send in future questions and hear more exclusive opinions and analysis from our journalists and editors, you can sign up to become a patron on our website, kievindependent.com. 